0: This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where we read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, Right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Samuel Quinn Morris. I'm Matt Finell. Welcome back to Urusawa. It's a podcast where we listen to the uh, jazz stylings of Naoki Urusawa on the page. Uh, that was kind.
1: Of- that was a fun one. I liked that what you we were cra- doing there. You
0: know what? Thank God someone did. Uh, hey guys, we're reading Monster, uh, and we're having a we're having just a, a great time doing it. Um, interesting reading this time around, Matt.
1: Yeah, I don't have a ton of notes. Um, every week I say, well, it was plot, plot, plot this week, but this week I think it was the most plot, plot, plot oh, It's has time,
0: <laughs> This time around we're really, uh, yeah, it's a bit plotty this time around. I also don't have a huge number of notes.
1: I think this is going to be our shortest episode yet. I'm going to say it up at the top, and then Don't that Jesus. way I can Don't cut the I can Jesus, cut the trailer man. where it shows the length of this one compared to the <laughs> other ones.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Now you got me. Now you're sold. Because yeah. now it's a now it's a gamble, and now and it's now it's a game. I love gambling.
1: Oh, what? Hey, hang on. Quick detour to talk about gambling. What is your preferred? Yeah, yeah. How do you like to gamble?
0: So, I like to gamble with anything but money.
1: All this is boo, Boring. I'm, too, no, I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too responsible. I'm too good with money to gamble with it. Um, but that's why I like RPGs, is because it's gambling with the fiction.
1: Okay. I, think, I, uh, I think, uh. Yeah. Sports gambling apps are legal here in Tennessee, and they love to give you free credits because that's the easiest way to make people degenerate gamblers. Um, yeah. So I will do small one or two dollar bets during football season and during the olympics i like to bet on curling i won 120 dollars last
0: year nice hey that's
1: pretty good it was very fun because no one knows how to write the odds for curling because no one's watching curling
0: (laughs) wow it's really easy to to game a game where like people are bad at the math for it
1: i put it all on the italians after the first game it was it was the move
0: listen to Urasawa boys get gambling tips
1: Please you do not take gambling use, advice from you, me.
0: Matt Fennell, professional gambler. Uh, he's certainly made more money than me gambling.
1: Got it. The, the bar's low, but... The um,
0: It is, it is. Okay, do we okay. want to... Oh, right, I, I forgot, because we actually... This is a re-intro, everyone. We actually... Uh, there was a false start recording where I talked about how my KFC sandwich got stolen, Uh, And then I put my replacement sandwich on the space bar, and... And and stopped the the recording. (laughs) (laughs) It it just... It was unsalvageable. So, we are reading, this time around, uh, chapters 42 through 50. This is the back half of Perfect Edition, Volume 3, and the entirety of print... uh, They're all print... uh, Normal, regular, uh, vanilla edition, Volume 6. And... Yeah, uh, you guys might have noticed, I don't think we pointed this out last time, but the first two Perfect Editions were uh, 16 chapters each, and the regular volumes were 8 chapters each, and uh, starting here in Perfect Edition 3, uh, the there are 9 chapters each, but I did check it, and the page numbers actually work out about the same. First couple volumes, the average... Uh, chapter length was like mid to high twenties, like twenty six pages. Uh, but here in volume three, it's it's moved to uh right around twenty two pages on average, maybe going up to twenty four. Uh, so just an interesting bit of trivia there. At at a certain point in Monsters production, they lowered the the average page page length.
1: Yeah, I mean, was, this probably isn't the podcast where we break down exactly how many pages each chapter is, but these ones felt like they were no. all over the place. Like, there was a short one, and then one of these chapters is, like, one of the longer ones that we've read on this show. Or at least it felt like it, just in terms of what all was happening. I think, it's, I
0: think that's just a pacing thing, honestly.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: I know, it's really, yeah. Well, let's, let, that's enough preamble. Let's Let's kick it with chapter 42.
1: Okay, that's an even number, so that one's me. Um, Okay, so this one opens... We ended on a cliffhanger with uh, Tenma jumping out the window at the House of the Murders and Lunga getting stabbed by the actual murderer. Uh, So Tenma runs from Lunga, who has been mega-stabbed by the murdered couple's nephew. Uh, Lunga shoots the guy a bunch of times and says that he's getting in the way and slowing him down and then stumbles over to Tenma's car and collapses from the blood loss Tenma tries to save him and throws him in the car and is going to drop him at a hospital. But Lunga comes to and cuffs him before passing out again. The two have a standoff in a warehouse, arguing about the existence of Johan. Lunga finally passes out from the blood loss. Tenma saves him and dumps him at a hospital. The game of cat and mouse continues.
0: Yeah, straight up. Uh, This is a fun one. And it's also, this is, I, I do think that this one kind of reveals a weakness of our method. Because Ooh. this, we really should have, it really would have been best to talk about this immediately after the previous one, I think. But then again, I've never, I've never really liked a cliffhanger. I'm too curious to actually enjoy cliffhangers.
1: Well, this was the first cliffhanger we've had, so I don't know if it will, we'll just have to keep track of how many times it happens. Because the ending of this one isn't really a cliffhanger, it kind of wraps up nice and neat
0: yes it does um yeah no this is i mean i i think the summary does most of the work here uh i think there's some there's some cool moments we really see like lunga in action mode this guy's a machine
1: yeah i uh i i, I wrote down well he gets a uh, well he, he shoots that dude twice in the knees which like that's yeah. pretty brutal um and well and he he fires a couple times because he has a couple i guess chambers that are empty or something because there's like a click so he's just like blasting away at this dude um i i i think it's really fun that he gets his horror movie villain moment where it's like he sits up in the back of the car and it's like i'm still alive uh like he's frankenstein or or the terminator or something and his face is always like so big and scary yeah it's good
0: yeah, you know his eyes have the dark circles because blood loss.
1: Mm-hmm. And those get worse and worse. Like I, that oh, I did yeah. notice that. Like it's, it's that's a neat detail.
0: Yeah, I, I think maybe the, the interesting thing happening in this. Ch- oh, oh, oh! I was just looking at it. Um, there's a great, uh, visual thing that happens here. Lunga, <laughs> so, so after they've, after they've crashed the car, they're in a barn, and, and Tenma's trying to like give lunga medical care uh and then lunga pulls a backup gun from his ankle holster and points it mm-hmm. at a tenma tenma's like you gotta be kidding me um but there's a cool visual uh thing here where lunga is pointing the gun up out of the panel the tip of the gun pokes out of the panel and points at tenma who is in a different panel
1: oh that's fun i love i love that
0: like it's really it's really cute Anyway, I, so like the centerpiece of this chapter is this conversation uh, between Tenma and Lunga while Lunga's bleeding out and Tenma's handcuffed. And Lunga's just telling telling Tenma over and over to confess to the crimes. You're actually Johan. Um, and, uh, and the key point of this conversation is when Lunga says... Uh, Basically, what Lunga's theory of Tenma being the killer, a piece of evidence he's looking for, is at your crime scenes, there's no evidence of emotion. Emotion fades away when you deal with people's lives and deaths every day. Uh, That lack of emotion is always apparent, that lack of sentiment, and then, Matt, you want to take it?
1: Well, I was just going to say, yeah, this is the thing. This is how they both realized that this wasn't a Johan killing in the previous chapters. It was that thing that was like... Why are they looking in the mirror? So it's I do think it's nice like if we treat those these those three chapters as a unit. It's like this is the big fact that we learn from that that like runs across those those three issues, the emotion thing. Which has probably been talked about before, but they're just really making sure we know about it here.
0: Yeah, I don't they they haven't These chapters are the first time they've mentioned that about Johan. But what I like about this is that the thing that Tenma says about himself, about being anxious to perform surgery and be a doctor, we heard him say this before. It's not the Mm -hmm. first time he said it. Uh,
1: He says it when he's doing country doctoring. Like, that's how he convinces the lady to let him work on her.
0: I just think that's cool. Um, Mm -hmm. That they... That he says it again. I don't don't know. It's kind of like, you know how you have wrote answers to certain questions that people ask you where oh, you yeah. just have like a little spiel for this particular question or that one you know, you've got your faqs
1: right yeah. and this... okay do you have yours do you have an example because i have the one that's like my example
0: yeah i, I have one
1: okay uh, mine is mine is when people ask me if i believe in ghosts i my answer is yes i do but i would be immediately suspicious of anyone who told me that they had an encounter with a ghost
0: Mmm, that is good uh I think I think maybe my own answer is like when we're talking about uh when we're talking about like places we've lived, here's a fun quin fact for y'all. Uh, I moved around a lot as a kid and whenever I say that, the first thing out of everyone's everyone's mouth is, are you military? And so I asked that. Yeah, exactly. and so my, my own answer is not military, just poor uh, so so there you go there you go uh there's another fact like
1: that that comes up a little bit later that i have a note in a different chapter it's a thing that we've heard a bunch of times that like i just finally noticed but this thing about Tenma, like you said him him saying you know he is very emotional and how seriously he takes it it's a it's a it's an important character note
0: it is, it's a super important character note, it's an important moment, and it's also important because after he, like, says this to himself, you know, he's like, how could I possibly be calm, and that's when he chooses to approach Lunga, um, even though Lunga's got a gun on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is cool. It's, it's, it's like, it's cool and it's badass in, in a very not-90s way, in a very big-hearted kind of a way, to me.
1: Yeah. I like, um, there's a panel in this set of pages that's, like, kind of a, a long one where Lunga is leaned up against the sandbags, uh, pointing the gun at Tenma, and Tenma's sitting in the chair, just kind of, like, hands in his lap, looking defeated. Uh, and, like, the lighting on that one, I think, is, is real cool. It's a good panel.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good panel. It's a good chapter. Uh, Yeah, and, you know... And then at the end of the chapter, there's Lunga, and he's squeezing, he's squeezing a squeeze ball, and he looks like the devil.
1: Oh yeah, he's determined to win physical therapy. Is, <laughs> um, I the note that I had on that little chunk at the end was uh, the his cop buddies show up, and they ask the nurse like, "Hey, is he giving you any trouble?" And the nurse is like, "No, he's been like perfectly pleasant." And they both give each other this look like, "What?"
0: Yeah. Like, he's been perfectly
1: yeah. pleasant. Like, and I, okay. I like that.
0: Yeah. It's it's really the last couple lines are really fun. He says it's the most fun he's ever had. He mm. says chasing a criminal like Tenma is the best thing on earth. And he's got that look and he's squeezing the squeeze ball. It's very, you know, like he's really he's a really fun character. He's a fun opposing force to Tenma. Yeah. You know, it's, it's
1: interesting to think of someone who's drawn so scarily, like you said, looking like the devil, is like, he's just having a good time. He's having fun.
0: Yeah, this is his happy face. <laughs> he does have a big smile. Um, I also, I don't know, I think Lunke is interesting because one thing I love about Urosawa's work, and this is uh, some of his work, and, and this, uh, this monster and Billy Bat are two of the better examples of it, but one thing I love about it is how he has a whole bunch of characters with their own goals and agendas just kind of in the same soup, you know? Um, And this reading actually has quite a few (laughs) examples of a bunch of people with their own agendas uh, uh, hanging out out in the soup and crossing paths and making their own choices. Yeah. It's some of my favorite style of...
1: I have some thoughts on that and what kind of like tradition that draws from, but when oh. we when we get to that chunk I can I can talk about it.
0: Really excited about that. Okay. Uh chapter 43 Rock Bottom. Says it all in the name. Mm-hmm. Um we open on Ava in the drunk tank just back back home. She gets out, realizes that she lost her bag. Uh, when she passed out in an alley last night, uh, gets back to her to her hotel room. It's been ransacked. Uh, goes to one of her exes to ask for money. He throws her out. Steals some liquor from a, from a, uh, an unhoused person, and then meets a very pleasant fellow who just happened to get her bag for her. You know, at uh, last last night he picked it up, and here he is. And you turn the page. It's Roberto. Uh oh. It's Roberto.
1: Just Roberto. And
0: she, you know, it's it's our good friend, Roberto. Um, a very trusted friend. Uh, she goes to dinner with him. They get some drinks. They do some dancing. Do some flirting, and then they go back. They they go back to his room. And he wants the photos. He wants he wants some old photos that were taken of Tenma and Johan. Or not just Tenma and Johan, but Johan. And Ava reveals that she actually saw Johan uh, the night that he killed Adolf Junkers in Dusseldorf.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: That's chapter... 43, maybe, oh man, I, I think this is the chapter I have the most notes on, actually.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then start, because I only have like two, and my first note is, trying to bum a sig from the cops is lunatic behavior.
0: <laughs> it's it's lunatic behavior, and then she she goes out, and then she smokes a butt off a the street. A butt!
1: She smokes a butt, <laughs> a in butt. Fr- off of the ground in front of the police the department. The title
0: of the chapter is Rock Rock fucking Bottom. Rock Bottom man and we we see it you know like she's at this hotel the the guy kicks her out because she doesn't have enough money to pay him and she hasn't had the money for days you know and then she goes to an ex she doesn't even know how to flirt she's so used to getting her way with everyone she doesn't even like ask hey you know can you help me with some with some money uh she just says give me some money and then when he doesn't want to do that she says have sex with me for money. And he's like, "Are you crazy?" Like like no, absolutely not. You know, she so she's just so used to having leverage, to being in a position of power, like she just she just has no idea what to do when she's not. Mhm. Um and she, and she just she steals this bottle of liquor from right out of this poor dude's hand. I thought and we were about to have a nice moment it. where she
1: sits down next to him. Nope. She just <laughs> swipes this dude's liquor and chugs Not- it.
0: That's the most naive thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> and that's a crowded field. Yeah. Man. Uh but yeah, so actually so the reveal of Roberto, that's a jack in the box. Is it?
1: Because I, I thought I'd noted all of them. I must have missed that that was the Jack in the Box.
0: Yeah, he's not He's not revealed. There's a whole page where he's like, oh, yeah. Hey, there uh-huh. you are. <laughs> I wanted to give this back. And then Jack in the Box. It's
1: I should Roberto. reintroduce myself. It's Roberto. Yeah.
0: And he looks so pleasant in here. And even more funny, the screen tone in the background is this kind of uh, almost shoujo invoking uh, kind of like lens flare effect that's clearly meant to like, you know, to... To be very rom commy But we know who Roberto is. This whole sequence of her and Roberto together. We know who Roberto is. Roberto, so just the like, motherfucker oh. who
1: lives in an abandoned factory.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, it's really creepy hearing him try to be, like, nice and charming and polite. I think now that we've seen how he operates. Because, like, we sit- there's a couple pages of that, like you said, of them, like, flirting yeah. and... And dancing and stuff, and it's just like it makes your skin crawl a little bit. It's fun yeah. to see that he's still around. I think
0: Urasawa doesn't get rid of characters if he thinks he can do something with them. You know, like mm-hmm. like like the detectives, like the detectives. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, how they yeah. keep
1: how they've popped up a couple times. Um, it's yeah, been you know. fun.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really fun to watch him weave characters in and out of the narrative.
1: Do you know what song they danced to? Because it was an Al Green song, but I wasn't sure which one. And I yeah, I was wondering like if you just off the top of your head knew oh, which one that was. Oh, that's a good
0: question. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an Al Green uh, I don't think I fan. could name a
1: single Al Green song.
0: Yeah, uh, no. But but it is fun that he's called out Al Green. Um,
1: I also thought it was fun that it's they were very clearly drinking a bottle of Jack at one point, And I was like, yes, oh, wow, just he says just says drew just a bottle it. of Jack.
0: Yeah, like, he doesn't just draw a bottle of Jack, he put the name Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, it's got the label and everything. (laughs) Like, it's not misspelled, it's not tastefully avoided, it's just there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was the 90s, so maybe it wasn't as big of a problem. Then again, now that I think about it, there's a manga called Bartender, and that shit is completely chock-full of all of the brand names and bottle designs, so... I guess bottle company. Uh, I guess liquor companies aren't really.
1: They're not reading manga, is my guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you might have, <laughs> you might have something there. Okay, uh, there's one more thing that I want to say about not this chapter, but Urasawa's work in general that this chapter uh, kind of uh, uh, revealed to me, and I think it's probably common in manga in general, but I've never really noticed it, which is that what Urasawa does is the first panel. When they're in a new location, will be very detailed and mm. will do a lot of. It'll like give you a very good sense of what the environment looks like, and then the rest of the panels in that scene are usually have very little background, um, if any. And but but the initial panel, the background was so strong and detailed that your brain just carries it over. And you can still see it in your head even though it's not actually present in the panel and it lets the, the characters get super foregrounded.
1: It's like when there's a flash of light in a dark room and yes. it's like it's burned into your eyes for a little bit and it's carrying over. Good call. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and it's so like it's so powerful that, you, like I said, you don't even notice it. And, and importantly, contrast this to comics in the Western tradition, right? Where the background is permanent. Mm That shit's there. Like sometimes you'll have a blank background thing, but that's usually for a like a sitcom style comedic effect sequence. More often than not, or or it's used as like kind of like a a take you out of the action sort of thing. Um, But western comics, the background is a lot more important. Uh, How much uh, of that do
1: you think comes from the fact that like western comics traditionally, like cape comics, are full color, and mangas black and white.
0: Ooh, you know what? I uh, wonder probably, if we were to
1: read, like, black and white Ninja Turtles comics, if it would be, like, the same deal.
0: That's a good question, but think about... Mm, I don't know, though. Think about, like, the comics with an X tradition from the West, right? I mean, those, like, like especially... Are, I- I'm thinking here of Arkham or something like that. You know, and then you have that kind of, like, mega-detailed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, like, like heavy background style. Yeah. Um, even with the black and white stuff. I don't know. I think just Ed also... is
1: probably like that, right? Because Judge Dredd yeah. is one that I think of as being, like, real heavy, and well, that's all black and white.
0: Western Western comics are also significantly more into maximalism, at least okay. more often, yeah, yeah, than, yeah. than comics from the Eastern tradition. And, I mean, that's, I mean, the Eastern artistic tradition, especially Japanese artistic tradition, which I am the most familiar with, uh, minimalism is definitely more of a, minimalism than a sense of space is certainly more valued here and i i think it might also come down to urasawa's you know making face face first face only manga right. like he puts so much emphasis on the characters that maybe that also plays into how little backgrounds he uses cuz he just doesn't want us to look at anything but the characters yeah anyway that makes sense we got some good we got some good pot out of that huh
1: yeah it was kind of a mechanical one but it's it's nice that we're able to figure some stuff yeah. out
0: i like mechanical stuff uh real quick do you have do, what response did you have to uh the reveal that ava saw johan
1: i think i said oh that makes sense was was my Interesting. first
0: thought really
1: yeah um it makes i don't sense know why you. yeah it just felt like okay this tracks with how the story's been working Right. Cause it has just been and not like I'm not saying this is like oh it's a plot hole, it's it's a thing that I don't like. But sure. there have just this this plot has been driven on like a series of coincidences, I think is the thing, right? And like <laughs> people being in exactly the right place at the right time a bunch of times. Meeting that's people who have been referenced by other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean
0: that's I mean Billy Bat, you think it's you think it's something here, holy shit. That's, that's all a lot Billy there. Bat is. Um in a good way. I'm I'm a sucker for coincidence. I think this is a cool reveal, specifically because it means that Ava has known the whole time that Tenma didn't do it.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: <laughs> like, she knew it was him. I hadn't
1: considered that, yeah. Jeez. She really just is out to get him. Um, yeah yeah as as we will find i
0: mean the theme the the theme song for the next chapter is is truly fucking uh what's what's that what's that song i'm gonna i'm gonna getcha 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 one way or another yeah that's it it feels like that's that's the the theme here tenma gets stalked
1: yeah that's the what's the name of chapter 44
0: ava's confession
1: okay so chapter 44, this is a rerun at the end of the first Tonkabomb Bomb volume, but from Ava's perspective, which this is fun. We haven't seen this before. It's uh, a
0: really cool structural move. It's a, can't wait to talk about it. Go
1: yeah, on. because it, it, it lets us do a lot of fun things. Like, first of all, the chapter opens with, you know, we get the flashback of Ava trying to get back with Tenma. And then we see Ava getting coffee with one of our faves, Dr. Becker. He's here again. There he is. <laughs> um, and this is this is really fun. Like, Dr. Becker is clearly, like... He's, like, low effort flirting with Ava is kind of the thing. And, like, he makes a remark, like, you never would have given me the time of day. He says stuff like, wow, you're really burning through husbands. Um, and Ava kind of asks, like, how's Tenma doing? And Becker alludes that, oh, you know, Tenma, the only thing he cares about is work. You know, I set him up on all these dates, but he couldn't care less. Um, and Ava tells becker hey i want you to stop setting him up on these dates and becker is kind of like shocked he's like wait you still have a thing for tenma um so then we cut from there we go to uh becker and tenma are on the way to a date that becker set up uh with a like a state diplomat's daughter or something um, and this is where we have the bit where Tenma sees the cuckoo clock in the window for Junkers, and does his, I have to be the most thoughtful doctor on the face of the earth. Stops <laughs> in to get this cuckoo clock, which gives Ava enough time to beat them to the restaurant where she just harasses this poor girl. Um, it's just like uh, maniacally laughing and talking about how Tenma loves her and like talking about, you know, stuff that they did together and basically scares this, this girl off um and there's a little bit of projection where she's like you know you're always used to getting what you want this that the other um and then uh becker and tenma show up the girl is left becker assumes you know they assume oh well she got tired of waiting and thought that you stood her up um so tenma then leaves to go i think he gets a page saying that something's wrong or, I don't know, he leaves from here, no, Ava follows No, no, this is, him. he,
0: he just, he just, uh, he takes the opportunity, he's like, oh, great, the date's not happening, I can take Back the to clock work. to Yunker's.
1: Yeah. So Ava follows him from, from here, he takes the clock to Yunker's, which obviously we know leads to the, the confrontation in the parking garage, um, but the new thing we get here is Ava was there the whole time, she was following closely behind, but her, one of her heels broke, so she, like, got stuck on the stairs, Um, and then heard Johan, you know, shooting Junkers and kind of hid, and was able to catch a glimpse of him as he left. Um, in the present day, Roberto aims a gun at Ava and considers killing her since she has seen Johan's face. Um, I was glad to see Dr. Becker again. I think that was, like, the highlight of the chapter for me. Other than the structure that I already said, like, I, I think this is, like, a fun one, like, going back to stuff we've seen before. It's been just long enough.
0: Yeah, it's been just long enough, um, and... I've always loved recontextualizing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I like when we're shown things uh, one way and then later we get to see something else. This also shows us, like, it reminds us that we only see what Urasawa shows us, right? Mm-hmm. Because the first time we went through this, we had no idea that Tenma was going on a date that night, you know? Uh, and But now we see these other interstitial...
1: I do want to bring up one thing here because... Bring it up. This is now I'm I'm gonna pull from our favorite network of podcasts, Range Touch. Um this is a thing that gets talked about a lot on Homestuck Made This World, where one of the things that they are very critical of in the way that Andrew Hussey talks about the way that they write that story is they will say things like, uh oh well the character, you know, I'm just writing to the platonic ideal of the character, you know, the character is this thing that exists and I'm just writing it about it and describing what happens. The story's there and I'm I'm just putting it out there and the thing that they are always very critical of is that's not how fiction works this is a story that you're making up it can do whatever you want um and they say that not to be like oh well like you're cheating by doing this or that or the other it's more just like this is a fun tool that's at your disposal this recontextualization that you talked about right um like you can show us things that it's it's not that we didn't see them before. They just literally were not there before. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he had this yeah. parted out that Ava was there the whole time. But I I think it's a Who's I to think say? it's yeah. I just I think it's like a really. I almost think it's a, more impressive if it's like okay. Well, I found a spot in this thing that I hadn't filled in, and here's yeah. how I can here's how I can fake. Like, this oh, in. I can
0: do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think knowing knowing them. I don't know. I mean, it's a long. Uh it would have been a really long term plan <laughs> to mm-hmm. to have that ready to roll. But yeah, and I also think that this really stands in contrast to that that hussy approach because I feel like with Urasawa, you can really tell that this is something that is being crafted, that's mm-hmm. being put together, and that is being revealed to us. Yes. You know, as opposed to as opposed to the uh homestuck ethos of I am in I am pretending to be an impassive window into another dimension where these characters are real. You know, this is this is fiction. It's clearly yeah, fiction. I'm
1: impassive, but also everything I write is a big fuck you to the person who's reading. Sorry, and, that's just the way it is. You know? Yeah,
0: you know, and, and with Urosawa, like he's he's saying like, Hey, I'm I'm writing this. I'm making it. I'm making <laughs> it for you. I'm showing you all of the right camera angles. This is this is my creation. Yeah. So anyway, so that's cool, and and it's just like a fun little piece of puzzle box narrative design. Something else that's uh really cool about this chapter is that this is pretty much the first time that we see how Ava is truly feeling without anything else in the way.
1: Yeah, because I guess she hasn't like collapsed yet, so this is like ground zero.
0: Yeah, well, we spend, well, we actually, like, see her, like, thoughts. We see a few thought balloons, which we haven't really done before. Oh, yeah. There aren't a lot of other characters, like, or even with Becker. Like, she's, you know, she can't quite bring herself to say it, but she is honest to a degree with Becker about her feelings for Tenma. She's following Tenma around, and we see her thinking, Tenma, you're mine. You belong to me. And, and I don't know, just that, that we, we are given a level of intimacy with, with Ava, with who she is in herself that we haven't gotten before
1: yeah no and i mean like i i mentioned it so one of the things that she brings up when she's harassing that that lady is she says you know i have a birthmark on my inner thigh and that's where temma would always kiss me and this is like an extremely intimate detail that is i guess revealing i don't i don't know quite what to do with this i was more just like please stop talking but i mean it's like you said it's it's she's being transparent Right,
0: I mean, she is being transparent. Although this is for the quite explicit goal of getting of scaring getting someone away. Start. Yeah, yeah, she seems like a perfectly uh, pleasant girl too. Poor
1: thing. And the poor girl. Yeah, I just I felt bad for her. Um, I like there's a jack-in-the-box at the end of that page because when, when Becker and Tenma show up, it's, oh, crap. And you're wondering, like, what is the oh, crap? Like, did we see Ava, like, harassing yeah. this girl? Like, what's the deal? It's really fun.
0: It is a, it is a fun one. I, I, I waffled on whether I should include it, so I'm glad she brought it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because the oh, crap ends up being she's gone. No one is there. They've been stood yeah, up.
0: Totally. Um. Yeah, uh... I think last note for this is that when we see her hanging out in the in the parking deck, there are a few giant sound effects. And I don't know about you, but as I'm reading manga, since I can't understand them, a lot of times they just, like my eye just flits over them. Um, these mm-hmm. three big sound effects are, of course, the three gunshots.
1: That was my assumption. I almost slipped to the back to confirm, but I was like, those have got to be gunshots. But I do They're skip over gunshots. most of the sound effects. Yeah.
0: These, these sound effects are maybe the biggest sound effects we've had in the manga so far, though. They're, they're giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very cool, uh, the way that they're
1: drawn. Hey, did Johan see her when she saw Johan? I can't it tell.
0: Looks, it looks a bit like he did, because he's looking at the camera, which uh-huh. is in the direction of her. But it is it does seem weird that he would let her live uh, if, he, if he saw her, um
1: my only thought was i think she makes a noise and so like maybe he's looking in the direction of the noise but i don't i don't know
0: i don't know maybe he's just looking at the camera there's johan little pretty boy um and even more amusingly so it ends with him pointing the gun at her but you forgot an important detail uh matt which is that they still fucked
1: yeah that was disappointing (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <It was her. laughs> they still Like like Roberto Like hit her pretty hard And demanded And demanded like information And then
1: I can't and, believe she stuck around I mean they, he had a gun so maybe she didn't have a choice But like
0: I don't think I, I truly Honestly I'm gonna be honest with you Saying cons- losing Using the word consent here Would be a stretch I just I don't think I don't think the sex was especially forced. I think probably she still just slept with them. Yeah. That's my guess. Ava. It's fucking Ava, man! Like she, <laughs> It's fucking Ava. It's uh, Ava. Alright. Chapter forty five. Uh this is me. Chapter forty five Men's Table. Okay, <clears throat> so we open directly after the close of last chapter. Roberto pointing a gun at Ava. Uh, she tells him that he's got the photos of Johan, and if she dies, they'll get sent straight to the BKA. And then uh, she asks Roberto where Tenma is, and we find out that uh, we <laughs> yeah, there's been another time skip Um, because this manga just throws those shit around like confetti. Uh, there's been another little time skip of maybe a month or a few weeks or something. And he is treating, uh, he's being an underworld doctor and he's been treating an underworld, uh, retiree sort of, uh, out in the mountains. And we see them, uh, getting ready for a nice lunch with this guy. And he talks a little bit about, uh, his past in the underworld. Um, and we find out we find out that uh, Johan, though not named, strongly implied, uh, at the age of 15 created a massive underworld banking institution, and then a few years later uh, just left it to disintegrate within a day and cause unbelievable amounts of chaos. Roberto and Ava show up to crash the party, and and kill someone it's a very sad it's a very sad murder um it's pretty impressive i I look forward to talking about that and then dita runs down to try and uh, to to be like hey it's lunchtime and then who should he run into but ava with a gun
1: with a gun
0: with a gun yes that's chapter 45 uh matt
1: uh yeah, the, the this one I thought was I I was glad to see some of our friends again. It's 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 yes. been a little bit. Like uh Dieter and and Otto and uh seeing Otto in his apron cooking the chicken dinner I thought was particularly fun. It was a nice little touch. That feels like something you'd see in an X-Men comic, right? Like Beast oh, wearing an apron cooking food. It's just like a it's a nice little detail.
0: I like how Otto is a comic relief character, but not so strongly that you can't take him seriously as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's just fun. Like, like, it's chicken maringo. The secret's in the sauce. You know. Yeah, because I mean, then there's got... a fun
1: bit where Dieter's like, I don't care. And Tem was like, do you have any soy sauce? And Otto's yeah. just like, these people, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs>
0: you're killing me. It's, it's great, you know, he's got his little, he's got his little chicky wing. And he's got a little, he's just snarfin. Ah, uh, it's great. I love Otto. I love seeing Otto.
1: Yeah, I didn't particularly care for this mob boss character. I didn't think there was, I mean, he he's fine. I don't really think he's as interesting as some of the other people that we've met, like, when Tenma's been working with the under, Like, Mr. Lawyer and Mr. Doctor or whatever. Like, I thought yep. those guys were maybe more interesting.
0: Those guys were interesting. This guy is a little
1: He's kind of one note, but like, that's okay. He's, yeah. this is a the plot device, right? It's the exposition for the bank thing and then the rest of this chapter.
0: Well, hold on. He has a more he has a more important role than that, um, which is a thematic one. Okay. Um So. Oh, yeah,
1: cuz this is your whole your thesis about loneliness yes. and stuff. Yes. Yes, yeah. this is
0: my thesis about loneliness. So, as they're sitting down to dinner, this guy says, "So this is what it's like to share a meal. All these years I did whatever it took to make money. I didn't even know what to do with it all. I cut ties with my parents. My brothers don't speak to me. My wife and children were killed. All I wanted was to eat at a table like this. This concept of being able to share a meal with people, to sit around the table. Uh, uh, this guy isolated himself to make a whole bunch of dirty fucking money. Uh, and Matt, underground bankers rock.
1: Oh, this is underground. Oh, is that who's rocking this week? Is it That's underground who's rocking.
0: That's like okay. his rock, and it's underground bankers. Yeah, uh, his his wife and children were killed, uh, so not divorced this time, but I think it still counts.
1: Oh no, that's divorced dad energy for sure. Even yeah. though it's uh, like technicality, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's um. Well, I, I think, building on what you said, I mean, like, when the, he tells a story about the Underground Bank, I think Dieter makes a comment, like, well, I mean, if they all could have just sat down at dinner like we are right now, everyone probably didn't have to die. Or maybe that's even the mob boss himself says that. But someone makes that comment that, like, hey, if we could come together and talk this through, like, we could avoid this disaster, this catastrophe. Yeah. Um. I, hang on, I had uh before we move on to like the end the note that i had about this was because this comes up um tenma has treated this guy right and the guy's like dr tenma you saved my life and tenma really severely downplays what he did right he says like well it was basically a scratch and like it was a small bullet wound in your leg and then he says like you were just really lucky and I realize, like, this is the thing that people have said all the time about the way that Dr. Tenma works, is everyone who comes in who they've seen, every, the first thing that everyone who is commenting on it says is, like, you were just, you were so lucky. You were so lucky that you crossed paths with Tenma. Oh. Like, he's always downplaying his skill, right? Like, he's never, mm-hmm. like, he's just very, he's not arrogant, he's very humble about it. And it's just, he's, he's quick to pass it off on, hey, you know, you just got lucky this time. And I think that builds on kind of what we were saying about like, hey, this manga is built a lot on like coincidence and people being in the right place at the right time. I think it's interesting to, I don't, I don't know if that one means anything, but I noticed it this time. Because I think someone says it a little bit later, too.
0: People, no, that you mentioned, like, every time Tenma saved someone, another person was like, boy, you sure were lucky Tenma was around. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really, let's stick, let's pop that one in the oven. Let's, okay. uh, let's will keep it around let's, let's uh 450 and just pop it in there for a bit uh there's kind of a there's a little attempt at a use of an image here that i think isn't super successful the chapter kind of starts with a, a an image of like a line the of ants hands on the ground it two really thumbs is, down don't yeah like this. this one's a miss it's a miss Like, like, so, so the guy's, the guy's talking, uh, the guy's talking about how Johan collapsed the bank, and he says, it was like he was performing an experiment to learn how adults relate to money, the way a child toys with a line of ants. And it's like, oh, and and it, it shows us the ants again, and it's like, come on.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's a little messy. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be that idea of, like, you think of, like, you know, uh disturbed kid melting ants with like a a magnifying glass or something yeah but it's just it's not that's not explicitly what they say right they just talk about like a line of ants and the image comes up again at the end with the bodyguard who's murdered like the ants are walking past him and like it just doesn't work i mean this is this is like a move that grant morrison likes to do a lot like i this is something that like where we see an image at the start and then we see it again at the end and it's like damn now i feel like crying but like it just doesn't work here
0: no and it's funny because i'm normally a real sucker for this kind of thing uh mm-hmm. but this is a, a particularly unsuccessful attempt uh attempt at it i think honestly the the uh metaphor might have been more powerful without the accompanying anim- imagery if you had just mm-hmm. said a child toying with a line of ants then i might have in my head imagined it and got a chill down my spine but instead i just see some ants on the ground and i'm like oh that's not very scary those are just yeah. some ants Mm-hmm. I do think my last my last thing here is the fastest turnaround from me c- caring about a character to them dying in history.
1: Oh, that poor guy, Helmet.
0: That poor Helmet.
1: Dieter Fucking... loves that his name is Helmet. That's like my that's my note. <laughs> that's Dieter's true. like his name's Helmet. His name's Helmet.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so the banker is like, could you invite Helmet to lunch? He's the only family I've got left. Tell him to come eat with us and we'll talk about what to do next. Next page. The very next page. Roberto shows up, sticks a gun in Helmut's face. Bam. Fucking man.
1: Wasted. Yeah. That's (laughs) a bummer.
0: It bummed me out, dude. It bummed me out. Yeah. Also, interestingly, real quick, um... The sound effect for Roberto firing this gun, and the same effect is used later uh, when Ava fires it next episode, is um, uh, doshu instead of Don, because it's silenced.
1: He's got a big ol' silencer on there. Got a big
0: ol' silencer on there, so the the onomatopoeia changed.
1: That's always fun.
0: Alright, let's kick it. Next chapter.
1: Chapter 46. Uh, This one is entitled, Unseen Enemy. Okay. Ava tells Dieter to run back up the hill and warn Tenma. Uh, she is immediately shot, and Dieter tries to help. They're held in position by Roberto, who keeps kind of shooting at them a little bit. They can't see where he is. He's the unseen enemy. Um, and Ava tries to fire back. Uh, Dieter and Ava discuss their relationships with Tenma, and Ava reveals to Dieter, uh, she, and she just kind of loudly says it, um... That she has those pictures, and they're going to go to the BK, BKA if she dies. But then she kind of whispers that, hey, that's a lie. And she thinks that Roberto knows that, that that was a lie. Uh, Dieter promises that Tenma will come and save Ava. Tenma shows up with a gun. Ava reveals she wants to save him just so she can get him thrown in jail for life. so And he, he can spend the rest of his life regretting that he dumped her. Um, she passes out, mumbling that he won't come over and over. And then we cut to the mob boss. Uh, Ava's in a wheelchair And he is bandaged up He's setting the table for dinner He's, he's cooked the same thing that Otto cooked The chicken meringue. Um He tells her that Hey Roberto was basically using you as bait Because he knew there was only one way up this hill So he sent you up to get Taken out first but then you turned on him So he ran away um, He tells her that Tedma headed to Munich Which was kind of Where they thought maybe that underworld bank Had collapsed um, and the chapter closes with him saying, "You're like me, aren't you? You've forgotten what it's like to share a meal with someone." Uh, and they kind of quietly sit there and eat their dinner. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good closing panel.
0: It really, it's a really nice closing panel. Yeah, I don't have a whole awful lot of notes here. I think the summary really gets most of the important stuff. Dieter has great chemistry with every character in this manga. You can put him mm-hmm. in a scene with goddamn anybody and it's gonna be great
1: yeah he really breaks the rule of kid characters in stories like this where it's like he's not he's not annoying when you like he's just very sweet and lovable and everyone i guess it's no one really spends too much time commenting on the fact that like hey you're a kid what are you doing here they just kind of are like okay there's this kid that's here that i guess is buddies with tanma because i think ava asks him like why do you love tanma he says yeah sure i do i mean like why wouldn't i and then he kind of puts it together that like oh you're tenma's girlfriend right and like he keeps asking her these questions that she won't answer partially because she's been shot and is in a gunfight but also because like there's no easy answers to these questions
0: it's also a really fun thing for a kid to be asking you like hey are you tenma's girlfriend in the middle of a gunfight
1: quinn when was the last time a child asked you if someone was your girlfriend or a partner or something. Like has is that something you've that has happened to you?
0: I haven't like I haven't interacted directly with a child in a very long time.
1: Okay. I've got little like cousins years. so that like that and that that live around here, but it is always a harrowing experience. Uh, when... <laughs> you know what? I guess
0: I, I saw I there was at the place where I was staying over over Christmas, uh there was like a, a kid there, but I don't he didn't ask me that question. Well, yeah, what if yeah, somebody yeah. asked me that? I guess I would just tell them I'm alone forever, probably.
1: Oh, I just pretend just not fun. to hear them, is usually what I do. <laughs> or or I look at the person who they are referring to and say, well, what's the answer? <laughs>
0: oh, wow. um, bold. Yeah, uh, we got a jack-in-the-box here. Um, oh. So we hear a gunshot, right? So as as Dieter starts to get going to Tenma, Initially, he hears a gunshot. And once again, the onomatopoeia is different. This is pa, um, which is. So, Ava has the silenced gun that uh, Roberto used uh, to kill Poor Poor Helmet. Um, and he's now using a different gun, which is not silenced and which seems, uh, by looking at it, kind of a lower caliber, lighter weapon. Uh, and he's firing from a distance, so that's why the onomatopoeia is pa instead of don. And so then, so he hears the gunshot and he looks over his shoulder and we get a jack in the box. Uh, And we're like, oh God, how bad, how bad is it? And then we see Ava lying on the ground and then we find out it's just a leg wound. Uh, But it's a pretty good little, it's a pretty good little one. Mm
1: -hmm. The only note that I have at the end is I like the transition from her passing out to being at the table because it's like a, it's a, it's a cloth flapping in the wind and you're like, is this a curtain? What is this? And it's the mob boss putting a tablecloth on the table. Like, there's something about that that I like, that transition.
0: Oh, I didn't even, I totally, I missed that. That is a really good. Oh, that's cute. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I think my last important note here is that, uh, Dieter asks her, what do you love about Tenma? And the next panel is just a picture of her face and like, she doesn't, she doesn't say anything. And mm. I just, I love a panel like that, where, where you can, where you're just like sitting with, with the character in that question.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Um, the mob boss also reacts, or resp- tells her that she was lucky to run into Tenma.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the,
1: the same thing coming up Yeah, really She really was...
0: got lucky. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. I don't, I don't got anything else for this one. It was kind of That's... one note.
0: Yeah, it really is. Really, well, it's it's two. It's two notes.
1: Two notes. Okay, that's, that's all. Fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, and now we got some. Now we got some other stuff. Oh boy. We are oh,
1: entering boy. the Munich zone.
0: Yeah, uh, all aboard! All aboard for Munich. Um, chapter forty-seven. Tuesday's boy. Um. Urasawa Open. Mm-hmm. Carl Newberg is reading a book to hans George Schuwald, uh, who tells him his Latin is atrocious. Get the fuck out. He, uh, Carl, uh, makes a new friend in Lotta Charlotte, uh, who is a particularly nosy college student. Uh, Both of them are college students, but Lotta is the nosy one. Uh, We learn that Carl grew up in the foster system, uh, and and came to Munich to uh, try and find his uh, birth mother named Margot Langer, uh, who uh, Lotta does a little bit of research on because, as as stated, she's nosy and finds out that that woman is dead. But she also says that there is a little legend about Mister Hans George Schuold, one of the richest men in Germany, and that is that he is a vampire or something. And she says that she's seen him going downtown late at night, Karl says, I'll go with you. There's a quick cutaway to a really stupid thing uh, that we can talk about later, but it's stupid. Uh, and then we cut to downtown. Carl and Lotta are following following Hans, and they follow him to the Red Light District and to a lady who claims to be Margot Langer for approximately two pages before revealing she's not <laughs> Margot Langer. Uh, and uh, Hans George Schuvald comes to meet her and give her money, even though he also knows she's not the real Margot Langer, because uh, he feels, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, Shufald is Carl's dad, uh, is Carl's dad by way of Margot Langer, and feels like shit for how he treated her, so then he's giving money to this fake one, to absolve himself because it's the only it's the only way he knows how uh and she also says that there is another boy that claims to be shuvald's son and lotta knows the boy mentioned and she says he is blonde and extremely handsome Whew, this one was dun, really dun, hard dun. to summarize this one Yeah, this
1: one's long and dense uh i have let me see how many sentences was my summary i mean it's this Doing is long. It beforehand. It's how long a couple is this paragraphs. One,
0: like okay tuesday's boy yeah you're right actually this is a pretty this is a pretty chunky chapter that okay this one pages. felt
1: long this one felt longer yeah. than the other ones um and you okay yes. so you skipped over i mean and you said you think the cutaway's stupid but i think I, it's stupid i it's i don't understand it it doesn't I like it doesn't fit with anything that we've seen before but I do think it's interesting. We cut away to it's the like the paranormal society on the campus of their college yeah. and they're reading like a prophecy from one of the college's founders that is like hey in the last leap year I mean of course it's written kind of like a riddle but it's like in the last leap year of the millennium um, Thursday's boy will arrive And, uh, you know, set fire to the campus and start a bunch of sadness or something. And they're like, what is this? We need to let everyone know. It's so weird.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. Oh, and I guess I should have mentioned the monster in the prophecy, uh, is called the Thursday boy. And it's implied that the Thursday, the Thursday boy is the other one claiming to be his son,
1: and, we're meant, and by, we're meant to assume that it's Johan yeah. from the way a lot describes him. Um, yeah, blonde
0: and handsome. Oh, we, we, we as the we, readers who do we who know that's that blonde is? and handsome? It's Johan. Yeah. Johann. yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Um, and who is a monster? It's Johan, right, is yeah. the thing. I, the thing that I think is interesting about them is you and I have talked about, like, hey, there's the, the manga flirts with the idea that Johan is some supernatural evil and this is like the closest that it's gotten to being like explicitly, hey, there are prophecies about Johan showing up. That's the weird thing. <laughs>
0: That's yeah. the weird thing. Why is, there an, why is there an actual prophecy? And you know what the other fucking weird thing is? Not to spoil anything, sorry, readers, or sorry, listeners. Uh, I'll just let you know Johan is not the Thursday, the Thursday boy. boy. Johan's the Friday boy. <laughs> so it's an incorrect prophecy that is just there to throw us off. It's there to make us really think the Thursday boy is Johan. It, it's, it like, did did Urasawa, like, think of it before deciding Johan wasn't the Thursday boy? Did they, like, did this fall through the cracks? It's just, a, it's weird on several levels to me.
1: It's it's really bizarre, but what I will say is that that cutaway helped me to develop my theory about well not a theory but like I I mentioned that hey I feel like this story draws from a tradition that's a little bit older. Quinn have you read The Count of Monte Cristo? I,
0: I I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the camera.
1: Yeah. And you were I I where is he gonna where okay. is he gonna go with this? Where is he going with this? Okay, so The Count of Monte Cristo for those who don't know is a I think it's Victorian era. I don't know. It's around the same time as Charles Dickens. It's written by Alexander Dumas who is the author of, uh, you know, the three Musketeers kind of Monte Cristo is the story about a guy who he, uh, he's said to be married. Um, but all of his friends decide that actually they hate him. So they frame him for a murder and he goes to jail for, he's sent to prison for life. Um, he manages to escape and, uh, uh, using some information that he got from a fellow inmate, he becomes fabulously wealthy uh, and sets himself up as this mysterious count who works his way back into people, into all of the people who wronged him's lives. Uh, and it's this huge interconnected web of characters, right? And it's all these, you get just over the course of, it's. I mean, it's a massive novel, right? Like over the course of the whole novel, you get all these little stories about people that don't seem like they're related at all. But everything just kind of ties back to it's, it's you know, characters that we have seen that disappear and come back. It's it's everything's a big web that connects, and it's all these chains of coincidences that um, work through all these stories where everything ties up into this nice, neat little bow at the end. Um, I read it when I was when I was in high school, and like the project that I did for it for English class was I made a map of all the characters and how they relate to each other, um, and I, I think this is kind of like a common mode for those serialized stories in that era like if you think about things like a tale of two cities or any like charles dickens books a lot of them work in the same way right because they're serialized from week to week so it's like we need all these small little stories and how does it connect into the larger thing that's going on we've got this episodic structure that is drawing on kind of like archetypes and stuff that we're familiar with i mean like in kind of monte cristo there's one plot line that is basically romeo and juliet um like beat for beat and then, so it's it's we're we're using stuff that we're familiar with and folding it into we're folding all these pieces into a bigger story that's all still remains connected, um, and that's what this made me think of like this cutaway. Hey, we we have talked over and over and over again about the Urusawa cold open, right? And like how we see these people that aren't related to the story, and then it turns out that they are, and the web just keeps expanding further and further outward. And I think this is the biggest jump yet. Like oh, absolutely we are further from the main plot than we have ever been before at this point
0: yeah i uh, mean this chapter this chapter by itself has absolutely no connection to to uh, no explicit connection to the wider goings on of monster it's it's completely isolated which is that's a new one like we've had Urasawa opens before but usually
1: they resolve a, in a page or two. Like, or three. In a
0: page or two, or even like halfway through the chapter, this is a whole chapter without that resolution. Um, unless you count the the uh toy the tees, toy revealed. Then maybe this is Johan. Yeah. Uh Matt, that's really fucking that's that's a great poll. Thank um, you.
1: I was I was happy awesome. with
0: it. Yeah, that's that's fucking great. Uh I like uh, I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, the other thing. Well, that, if that's if
0: that's how those if that's how those old um old things are set up, I should honestly read them because it's a it's a structure I really love.
1: They're hard to read is the one thing that I will say. Like I gave up on Three Musketeers. Um, it was too hard for me to read because it is they are long. Is like the thing with those books. Yeah. But I, I did really like Count of Monte Cristo when I read it.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see what what notes do I have for this chapter? Um, Carl. Uh, Carl. Did I say Lotta Charlotte? Is that her actual? It's name? It's Lotta okay. Frank. But Lotta Frank. Why did I? I, say I typed everyone's names wrong oh, the first time I wrote my summary. It's because you know what it is. It's because Lotta is is Charlotte. Short is short for Charlotte. Yeah. And and she reminds me of. Uh, I keep thinking of Lottie from Bad Machinery. Okay. Um, which is a great comic with, and Lottie is an amazing character. By the way, if anybody wants like a cute, uh, super British web comic featuring some high school mystery solving hijinks. Can't do better. Bad machinery. Check it out. Um anyway. Uh Lotta Lotta, Carl, and Hans killer designs. Really, really good character designs, uh, all around. Carl in particular has a really uh, like like lovely. Really pleasant but not too revealing face. I don't know. I, 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 re- yeah. I just like looking at him. I like his little curly hair.
1: That's the other thing I'll say that like adds to how far this feels from the rest of the plot. We haven't seen any faces like this before. Like I've made comments where it's like, hey, these characters kind of look like ones that we've seen before, or this is a face that is kind of familiar. We haven't seen anyone who looks like these three.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Totally.
1: Um, so I, I, that, it really threw me, but yeah, what a sad boy Carl is. I, I really like, uh, I really like, uh, Lotta. I think she's yeah. a very fun character. Just like. Lotta's
0: great. I have a crush on Lotta. You, you, have, you can have your crush on, um.
1: On Nina? Yeah, on I will Nina. continue to.
0: But Lotta, like, she's a, she's just like a nosy detective girl.
1: I she love predates it. the way that, uh, girls, well, Instagram stalk you, uh, by like yes. 20 or 30 years.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah cute in the 90s good for her um yeah yeah, good good for her good for her uh and also her and um no carl and lotta have great chemistry yeah like like i really like seeing them interact
1: i really like how he offers to go with her and she's like oh great that'll make me brave enough to do it because i haven't yeah
0: it's so cute it's so cute it's um
1: I really they're, like the kind of the, the, like the dark gloomy panels of you. Know, she says, Oh, it's basically like a Victorian myth, right? That he's the the vampire of Bavaria. I love the way those panels where she's describing what he does are drawn. They look like ink platings or something like, or gory paintings almost they're They're funky. They look a little yeah. bit different from the rest of the.
0: Yeah, totally. They're, they're, they're stylized as heck. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really fun. Uh I think a a note that I have here is that we actually see what happens when Urosawa is trying to sexualize women. Uh because there's there's a thing here where like we're in the red light district and then there's there's a few there's a few shots of that really let you know, hey, there there's there's sex work happening here. Um, you know, there's there's some like full on titty out. Uh, you know, a couple of seductive poses. And this is really interesting because it means that before, you know, in, in uh, episode, what, three, I think it was? Uh, or is it f- four? I don't know. Whatever. We talked
1: about Nina. Yeah, it's episode exactly. four there's, where there's we Nina. say how Nina's drawn and it's like the most chaste shot of a butt imaginable.
0: Exactly. And here we see he absolutely can, like, make something sexy. It means that he very deliberately chose not to do that with yeah.
1: Nina. Well, like I mean, I think he, double up yeah. on that in the chapter where Roberto's threatening Ava. We yeah. see Ava's bare ass in that chapter, and yeah. it is not like drawn looks lushly or whatever. It's I, I mean, think it's it, just I
0: mean, well, it's maybe it is a this, little bit. Like, I don't know. I it's a style... sexy scene.
1: That's from like a '90s thriller. It is. That's like oh, ooh, like she's basic like instinct or something. With
0: the, with the blanket, she's yeah. got some curves on her. You know, well, it's like, how do I put it? Like his, uh, when Urusawa sexualized sexualizes someone, it's not egregious and it's not like, it doesn't exaggerate. It is a very grounded sexuality. Um, okay, yeah. is It's going to be my take on that. So anyway, uh, but I just think it's cool that when it came to those shots of Nina, he chose not to make her like super visibly sexy to the audience. He didn't mm-hmm. want to do, he... he did exactly as much as he had to to get his point across and went no further. Um, Maybe that was intentional, maybe not. Uh, But I kind of err on the side of thinking it might be.
1: I thought it was fun that when they realized where they are, Lada's like, oh, come on, he's just a perv.
0: Yeah, talk about disappointing, she says.
1: Do you have any other notes on that one, or is it on to 48?
0: Uh, I love fake Margot Langer.
1: Oh yeah, she's fun. She's
0: she's a badass, and another new, another cool new character design. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's cool. Let's see. She's just straight up like cool.
1: Yeah, I mean she saw an opportunity and she took it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's move on.
1: Uh, chapter forty-eight is Thursday's boy. So forty-seven was Tuesday's boy. Forty-eight is Thursday's boy um I like the way that this chapter opens so I'm going to describe the opening this is in color and the perfect edition uh we see shots of people walking by on campus uh with in each kind of frame there's like someone blonde that we can't like quite see their face or like we can see part of their face or whatever and we hear Carl kind of thinking through what uh fake margot Langer has told him right that Someone also recently came by, uh, the the Thursday's boy, the tall blonde one. And he's wondering, who is this tall blonde boy on campus who is pretending to have my backstory? Um, and then we get his backstory, right? We flash back to, you know, his mom, the real Margot Langer, sending him away on a train, telling him that, um, you know, he has to leave. Otherwise, he'll just end up in an orphanage, in foster care. Um, and they have a little discussion about, you know... Who his father is, um, how he abandoned them. And Margot kind of says, like, you know, don't hate him. I don't want you to hate him. Uh, and then he asks why he can't ask his father for help. Margot says he should wait till he's an adult um, and to not expect anything. But he, she gives him something. Uh, we don't see what this something that she's given him is. And says, your father wanted you to have this. Hold on to this. Um, and then we, we cut back to the present day. Uh, where Lada and Carl look for the Thursday boy, who Lotta has discovered his name is Edward Edmund Farren, but they are unable to find him. Uh, we cut to another reading. Carl reads for Schewald, who's quiet, and mumbles something about the boy not being after his money. Um, he asks Carl why Carl sticked around. You know, is it just for the money? Um, and Carl says, no, you know, it's, it's, it's not just for the money. And there's a moment where he's about to reveal that, you know, he thinks he's this man's son. You know, he grips the chair, but then decides not to. Um, Schewald compliments Carl, saying his Latin has improved. Carl and Lotta plan to catch Farin on Thursday when he shows up to read for Schewald, but he doesn't. So they go to his dorm and find that he's hung himself, seemingly out of a guilty conscience. Uh, Lotta guesses it's for deceiving Schewald and pretending to be his son. The Supernatural Club publishes a story about the coming of a monster named Thursday's Boy. Uh, and people kind of treat it with, uh, like, as a joke. Uh, as Lada and Carl reflect on what to do next, Friday's Boy shows up. Uh, Lada knows Friday's Boy. And Friday's Boy is revealed to be Johann Liebert, a law student at the university in, in Munich. Bum bum. Bum bum pa,
0: Bum bum bum. Yeah. Um... I don't have a whole awful lot on this chapter.
1: The only thing that I had was we talked about the mechanics of the Thursday boy prophecy. I think one line was that he would burn the campus down and everyone would be sad. And there's a line where Lada says, like, everyone's talking about that dude that hung himself and is really bummed out. And that's the only yeah. thing that I like. And that just I kind of hate that a little bit. <laughs>
0: mm, um, yeah. Uh, the Fucking... Fucking prophecy. Ugh. I also, uh, re- uh, listeners, I, I it is really funny. Uh, Matt's like, like um, paraphrasing of the f- of the prophecy is very funny because the prophecy is, like he said, a little more, a little more like a riddle, a little more like a prophecy esque sort of thing. And then Matt's just over here playing fast and loose, just being like, everyone's gonna have a really bad time. Uh, <laughs> <and> just, <laughs> I just think it's really funny. That's
1: what. uh it's not no too. Who is the Who is the Nostradamus. guy? That, Nostradamus.
0: <laughs> Nostradamus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and in in two thousand, everyone's gonna be just kind of bummed out for a while. Um, I gotta. Uh, it opens in color, and uh, in particular, there's a scene. There, there's a, a big shot, full page shot of uh, Carl hanging out outside of the university. It's really pretty, really great architecture. I just, I just really like looking at it. Um, and during the flashback, there is Carl as a kid, and I really like how Urasawa draws his hair in particular. It's like these, these thick lines, and he just leaves the blank white for the highlights. It's, um, it's really cool. Look closely, look, you know, just take a a nice close look at it if you happen to, um, have the, have the manga. Uh, I just, I I think it's a, a neat little technique that he used there. Um let's see. I I think there's there's a cool thing where Rolotta's like if you don't care about the money why 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 do you want to uh denounce Edmund Farin for for pretending to to be the son. And he said and Carl says I just don't like him pretending or claiming to be my mother's son. Uh and I think that's a really um. Uh, I just think that's a, a cool motivation. Yeah, very, I'm glad you It's very that. sentimental. It's it's very, a lot of pathos, a lot of, a lot of pathos there, and, and that always gets me.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I forgot to mention that in the summary, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I do think that might be important uh, for my called shot of what's going to happen next that I'll talk about at the end.
0: Very, very excited. Uh, very excited for that. Um, and there's also, like, I'm not... I am not an orphan. I haven't been in the foster system. I don't think I I know or am close with anyone who has. Uh, but um, I do like the storyline because, like, Carl's Carl's motivation for trying to find his birth parents is... He tells us that he loves his foster parents very dearly and considers them his real parents. And so he wants to find his birth parents more or less so that he can... Let them go so that he can unhook himself uh, and and so that he can really just like fully embrace his foster parents without like the nag of what are my birth parents like. Uh, And I don't know how accurate or not that is uh, to those experiences, and I don't want to claim to, uh, but just as a fiction, uh, as as a fiction imbiber, uh, it's a motivation that I haven't seen before.
1: Did I breeze over that? I kind of I missed think we the... bo- I
0: think we both did. Like okay. it's well it's it was kind of like it that was specified mostly in the last chapter but okay. it's not super, you know, it's uh, here it is. We're going over it now.
1: Okay, we got it. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. No, I think I think that's interesting. Uh like you said. Um yeah. I think the scene where he confronts or where he's reading for Shu Wild, I think that's a little bit clunky. Uh but I I do think it's actually I think it's good. I'm a sucker for this kind of like how this guy who's horrible like who has been nothing but mean to him how he drops the one compliment like you know your latin has improved um yeah that might just say more about me than anything else but i was
0: about to say (laughs)
1: look look you got to look for the positive in any situation keep holding on to that hope no please do not listeners
0: yeah, the the conversation here is kind of disjointed, and it's I guess it's written to be that way on purpose. But I don't know how. It it it's one of those things. It's one of those things where like realism doesn't necessarily do what you want in a fictional context. Um, yeah. And my go to my go to example for this actually, uh, when I was directing theater, the note that I gave constantly, absolutely endlessly. People love to sigh, right? When you're in a when you're in a high stress conversation or situation, you do a lot of sighing because you're stressed and you want to get that tension out and try and get to the next thing. And so that, and especially on stage when you're, you know, people are looking at you, you feel even more tense, and so you you want to sigh. You want to go. Huh. But when you do that, even though it's a very realistic thing to do and people do it all the time, when you breathe out it deflates the tension because you've just let some of your tension out and the audience's mirror neurons fucking fire and and the scene loses some of its energy so you have to sacrifice that realism of being able to sigh when you feel the need to sigh so that you can keep the tension super high and and this you know and so this scene is another example of this is a very realistic conversation i would say between an old person who's kind of out of it and in in their guilt, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and another person, but uh, that realism doesn't doesn't serve the audience's experience of the scene. It detracts.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, I I was flipping through pages while you were talking. I'm looking at, um, the page where they break into Faren's apartment and find him hanging. Uh, yeah, that's a big me, one. It reminds me. Oh, you're me right of when Nina and uh Tenma come home and find her parents murdered cuz it goes silent before they open the door like the page before they open the door I mean I guess we've got like them knocking on the Yeah there's well the door. there's
0: what is this there's actually some there are some sound effects which I'm going to assume Oh those are sirens Oh those are those are sirens.
1: <laughs>
0: it's actually it's actually popo popo.
1: Boo. <laughs> it is, is. I'm I'm reading it, I listeners. I see that it says popo popo.
0: Yeah. Uh anyway, so that's okay, that's interesting. Actually seeing that seeing that those are the sound effects does change the feeling of the page. Cuz now yeah. it's now it's noisy.
1: It doesn't feel like, like we've got the violins like tuning up. No, right? I
0: definitely like. I thought that those sound effects were probably the rope creaking. Mm. Um, but it, like the the sirens playing really accelerates the momentum of the page because like the sirens the sirens coming in is like getting you ready to jump into when the police. We're are time
1: ready. skipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a time Same. skip.
0: So, I don't know. I actually I kind of liked it better with the rope creaking, but maybe that's just because I love a wham page. Uh but it is really cool, you know, his body is in silhouette. Um we should probably pop suicide into the
1: I think it's already in there, but is I Is it already check. in there? I'm let's, pretty sure it's in there.
0: Let's double check. Ah, yeah. uh, monster. Um the gift keeps on giving. Uh, I still yeah.
1: can't believe, listeners, I will say it every time the content warnings come up. I cannot believe that the the default content warnings I found for this story did not include Nazis in the content warnings.
0: <laughs> it's just you would just think Um, yeah. The, oh, here's a fucking thing. Here's, Matt. They, so they found a note, right? They found a note that says, I cannot continue to deceive. You know what they did? Mm. They printed it in the school paper. They printed his suicide note in the school fucking paper. Why?
1: I would they? That sucks. Oh, that's man. such a
0: shitty thing to do. It's that's... bizarre. And, like, I I can only imagine it was done so that there was a reason for Carl and Lotta to know what it said and have a little conversation about it as they do. But what the fuck,
1: yeah, truly. That's pretty terrible.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Oh, oh man. Oh, is, a uh, Johan's a page turn. Johan's a jack-in-the-box.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good... Look at these. Yeah. They're
1: everywhere. These every... <laughs> All the time, Jack of the Boxes.
0: It, as soon as we had a name for them.
1: We just see them everywhere. Yeah. It's that, uh, whatever that one is called. Yeah. Johan but...
0: Liebert. He's, he's in the law He's school.
1: a law student, just like Nina was. There's There's mentions oh. of twins a couple times in these past two chapters. Mm, twins yeah, is another true. thing to continue thinking about.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point.
1: Um, okay, do you have any more notes of this one, or are we on to 49?
0: No. Okay. Okay. Uh, chapter 49.
1: The Riddle riddle? Left Behind.
0: Oh, okay, you got me. Um, (laughs) Uh, Urasawa, open, baby? Number two, baby? Here we Um, go. We open on Dr. Reichwein's Psychological Counseling Center uh, with Dr. Reichwein himself and a private investigator uh, named Richard. Uh, And we learn a little bit. Uh, Richard um, is there for a session, but is also asking his doctor uh, about a face. He's asking him, hey, do you think this face... Is this the face of a con man? Is this the face of of a person who would commit suicide? And the doctor is like, absolutely not. Uh, but guess what? This is Edmund Farin, who apparently did try to con uh Schuvald and did commit suicide. Uh we follow Richard as he does a little investigating. He goes back to uh the he, he goes to the police department, he talks to someone who he used to work with. We find out he got drunk on the job and shot a serial killer. And that's why he's out of the force, and that's why he's currently a private investigator. He gets to Edmund Farin's room, does a little bit of investigating, uh, and happens to find a suspicious text. Um, in this case, a book, uh, just in the nick of time. Um, and he... So in this book, there is an underlined passage. He gets a school kid to translate it. Um, and it's the suicide note. Interesting. We transition to the roof. Carl is up on the roof, and there's Johan. He walks along the edge of the roof and uh, doesn't seem to have a problem with it, and asks Carl about his childhood. Uh, We find out that uh, Edmund Farrin's suicide note wasn't a suicide note at all. It was just a line that he had translated out of a book. And Johan, having heard Carl's story, cries
1: yep that's that's yep. what happens hey quinn is this private detective colombo
0: uh-huh.
1: i don't think he is but he did a he just one more thing he did the turnaround and he's kind of like a little frumpy looking i mean he's not as frumpy as colombo
0: did he do the one more thing what one more thing did he do
1: uh... oh i'd
0: like to take a look at the scene. It's kind of a one more thing. He he isn't exactly a Columbo, but he is a rumpled he is a detective. Uh he, did he it? where look did
1: look it say his Columbo. name? Because I when I was writing my summary, I was looking for his name and couldn't find it. And I was like, well it's, maybe this is like a reveal that's gonna happen. No,
0: it's blinking, you'll miss it. It's just it's on the it's on the early pages. Okay. My intuition, what do you take me for, Richard? I'm not a fortune teller. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Okay. I'm I just missed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Easy easy to miss. Um yeah, these uh we got we got ourselves some characters. Yeah, I Love really like characters. this
1: detective and I really hope that his I mean, I don't think this is gonna happen. I don't think he's an important enough character to stick around. But this story of how he got drunk and shot the serial killer, I hope and pray that this is a Chekhov's gun for he is going to get to he's going to join in the hunt for Johan and will get a chance to redeem himself hunting this real serial killer. It would be it would be great would be if that pretty, happened.
0: Pretty it would be pretty cool. Um it's also, you know, and it's just uh it's just neat to I don't know, spend time with the character in in recovery. Uh, you know, like he's he's certainly carrying some fucking baggage. You know, he really he fucked up hard and killed someone. Yeah. And and killing someone has uh has weight in Monster.
1: Can't come back um, from it.
0: Unless you're unless you're Nina Fortner and it was self-defense. Uh then it's <laughs> then it's just fine. We won't talk about it. Actually. I
1: like that he calls his coworker Slowpoke Martin. And there's the toss off line where he's like, When did Slowpoke Martin get so good at his job? Damn it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, yeah, totally. he's like got a sprint to get to the crime scene.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, you want to talk about coincidence? He just finds the one book. He finds the one book on the shelf, and technically it's like a smaller book than the other books, but he finds this, he just happens to find the right book, he just happens to flip to the page that has the one underlined thing, you know. It's, it's like, a
1: fun little joke he gets to do, a, a fun dad joke where he's like, what is this, Spanish? Latin? And it's all Greek to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a that is, is cute. Um, the little, the, the college student that he bothers to translate it is a funny- I love this. He's such a, he's such like a, a, freaky, freaky little freaked out guy. He's like, he's like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding if I fail this class. You know, he's so, he's so mad.
1: I love the sweater that guy's wearing too.
0: Oh yeah. It's some 90s shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this
1: guy's uh... on speed. Hey, so did Johan know that Carl was going to be up on that roof? I. It's interesting that Carl gets up there. It's like, this is Carl's happy place. Johan's already there, and Johan's up a level higher than Carl usually goes. Carl doesn't like to go up there because he's afraid of heights.
0: Yeah, I'm positive that Johan knew Carl went up here.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have notes before we talk about the Johan-Carl conversation, or are we ready to jump to there?
0: Um... Nope.
1: Okay. The thing that I thought was interesting was that while Carl is giving his story, Johan is facing away. We can't see his face. Yeah. Cuz there's always the preoccupation with people seeing Johan's face.
0: Yeah, he's he's facing he's facing away from Carl. That's a that's a good point. I noticed that like we see we get a bunch of shots. We have we have uh six shots of the back of Johan's head on a on a two-page spread alone. Right? Um, so Urusawa is very intentionally keeping us from seeing his face unless it's uh, important for us to do so. Um, how do you feel about hanging out with Johan?
1: Um, to me what this reminded me of is everything that people say about Johan. Like the people who he's manipulated, who we run into later. Right? Like there was the guy who Tema found with Otto. Uh, yeah. Who was like, you know, he he said such nice things to me. He listened. He was such a good friend. And how the serial killer from last episode said that, you know, Johan was an excellent letter writer. He made him feel listened to, stuff like that. And how then the how Rudy told us, hey, Johan's power is he can penetrate these people's solitude, right? Like he listens to them. He can smell out these people who are like potential Whoa. murderers.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait
1: oh, a did second. I... Yeah.
0: He can penetrate their solitude. He... Johan... Oh, that's fucking weird. This might throw a wrench in my thesis. Or my hypothesis, I should say. But it's really interesting. Johan... Johan's power is connection.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Johan's power is being able to connect with people who can't connect.
1: Well, it's the connection and then it's the manipulation. It's like the second yeah, piece yeah. of it.
0: And it's also like, it's only one way, right? He will never tell anyone mm. anything real about himself or basically anything about himself at all. So it's it's disingenuous, it's selfish. Um,
1: That's interesting. But, he,
0: but his power... It seems like his power is to make people feel truly listened to. I mean, Carl says, I feel like I can tell you anything.
1: Right. And then, I mean, it ends with him crying. Carl says, you're crying for me. Yeah. Right. Like he feels cared for by this.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I, I basically have a, have a, oh, there, there's actually, there's a Jack in the box. Um, There's an interesting Jack in the box. Uh, which is, so uh, Carl goes, where weird, I feel like I can tell you anything. Johan is like the father in your story, the rich magnate. It's vault isn't it? And then we get a shot of him reaching out, reaching out towards Carl, and his hand is right behind his back, and the page ends with Carl looking at the camera, and we're like, oh, fuck. Is Johan just going to push this dude right off the, ro- right off the mm. roof? But he doesn't. He just... He, he takes Carl's hand and, and is crying. Um, you know, and I think that's cool. Um, so here's my question for you, Matt, with regards to the chapter, because this is easily, by far, the most time we've actually spent with Johan.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and we're going to spend more time with Johan as the, as the manga goes on, of course. Um, but what, is, what, is this, what does this chapter do for you with regards to the two personalities theory? Do you think it uh, provides us any evidence one way or the other?
1: I mean, it it might. Like, the face turn thing was one thing, right? Like, my thought, I might have written down, like, okay, is he in monster mode when we can't see him, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um, but I do think it's interesting that Johan is at least able to affect, like, a normal teenage college student in these chapters where we've seen him, as opposed to, like, criminal mastermind johan that i mean because i think the only other time we've heard him talk was when he gave his monologue to temma before he killed Junkers, right and then we've seen his like crazy paintings when he murders a bunch of people right like his 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 graffiti so it feels that to me feels like a different character but it might just be a character pretending to be someone else right like i don't know if he's doing a bit like being this normal college student or if it's like this is truly a different mode um, and then also, I...
0: it really strikes me that, like, here he's making, he's making Carl feel listened to, he's crying for him. hmm And I have to imagine that this is also how he became close with all those serial killers. Right. So, here's, here's kind of my take on what this chapter says about this theory, is that even if he does have two personalities, like I said, like I said last time, it's both murder all the way down. Right, right. And even the nice one is still fucking weird.
1: Yeah. No, that, that that tracks. I mean, because what you said about like what he's doing here is the same thing he does with the murderers. This yeah. leads to what my prediction for what's going to happen in the next set of chapters is, is Johan's going to try to push Carl to murder Schewald. Um... And, it, like, based on this conversation, based on the fact that, like, the thing that really seemed to bother Carl was, you know, how this person was pretending to be his mother's son, like, the the kind of resentment that he feels towards, that it's implied that he might feel towards Shewald for abandoning them, like, I feel like all the seeds are there. And is that what we're seeing, right? Like are we just we're getting well, to see it live, Johan doing his thing? Well, I don't, I don't think
0: I mean, Johan doesn't have a reason to kill Shoefold is the right. Well, at least we don't know. We don't
1: know. He, he might yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, interesting stuff. I only there have one a, more note yeah, for this chapter. A reach. Um, which is that uh throughout this whole conversation, Johan has been walking on the very edge, the very like a thin, like four mm. inch wide lip. Uh, maybe six inch wide lip of the roof and Carl is like you're gonna fall and Johan's like no I'm not see you know and I just think this is a, a fun little it's showing us that Johan has no fear of death because he does not value his own life because he does not value life at all
1: interesting yeah it's um, when the way you just described it it also it's some real Griffith and Guts from Berserk Energy oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, how have we not pulled Griffith in for Johan yet? I guess I think we, I we said at the very beginning
1: him. Griffith is oh, or, got, or, mm-hmm. that he was pretty boy like Griffith, but I haven't finished Berserk, so I don't yeah. I don't know.
0: Chapter 50.
1: What's the title of chapter 50, Quinn?
0: The Secret
1: Forest. The Secret Forest. I think that's also the title of this Tonkaban volume when I looked on Wikipedia, which is interesting that they decided to name the whole volume after this chapter, but it is what it is um carl and Lotta discuss schuwald who has stopped eating out of depression at his supposed son's suicide carl doesn't want to reveal that he's schuwald's real son as he believes schuwald can only think in terms of money and will think carl's a fraud Johan appears angelic and flanked by children uh, the private detective reveals his suspicion of murder to schuwald who is too depressed to care He doesn't care that Farin wasn't his son. Even when the detective warns of foul play, danger, a grand evil conspiracy, Schuwald says there are things in life you can never take back. The detective leaves, determined to continue his investigation. Johan reveals he's been working with an organization dedicated to children's rights and volunteers with orphans. He also reveals that Schuwald has a place he likes to go when things go bad for him, a forest. Uh, The three, they do a little bit with uh, Schuwald's bodyguard where they lock him in a bathroom. Um, and they take him to the forest, uh, but realize that it has been raised, you know, cut down, whatever. And there's a factory that's there. Um, Carl is too stunned to speak and is is about to tell Schuwald, uh, who is, has been, they've said, you know, he, he can't see very well. And like, in this chapter, it's, hey, he's basically blind. Um, Carl is about to tell Shoewald the forest is gone uh but johan comes up behind them and, and lies and says that he can see the forest and he paints such a beautiful and convincing picture that carl can see it too uh meanwhile the detective meets with the prostitute we met earlier uh fake what was it fake margot langer
0: yeah we don't know her name <laughs>
1: we don't know her name and she reveals the same thing that she told the kids right two groups came to her each with a boy claiming to be Schuwald's son one was lauder and carl the other it was Farin and a fourth boy, who was blonde and charismatic, and was the one who did like all of the talking in that scenario.
0: And that is Johan.
1: Yeah. Huh. Hey, that's all for this. Ha
0: ha ha. Uh, this is quite a short chapter.
1: Yeah, it speeds by.
0: Yeah, this one is just like boop, blinking, blinking, it's gone. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What do? You, okay, so you 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 pointed out johan angelic flanked by children you want to talk about this somewhere
1: yeah so i mean Lada and carl are talking and it, it, like kids come into frame and we're like what's going on and they're all like mumbling and talking to themselves and then johan rounds the corner and is like i have the solution to our problems and it's that same it's that soft lighting that you called out from earlier right it's another yeah. one of those and then when we come back to him he's like yeah i volunteer with kids uh abuse kids r- r- working with like the un to get children's rights implemented or whatever he's really laying it on thick it's so lame um and then he's like yeah also i volunteer with orphans yeah he
0: specifies that he yeah the volunteer work i do with orphans is separate from that i just do it for my own enjoyment yeah like okay dude
1: this is not what's happening but part of me was like is he looking for another is he is he doing the yeah. thing that all the guys did where they're looking for, you know, the next Johan or whatever, like uh like Dr. was it Hartman was doing with uh with Dieter? Yeah. But I don't you know think that's what's he, happening uh, here. I just think Johan's yeah. a douche. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh you know what I think is actually interesting? That I only really registered this uh as I was flipping through it during your summary. Johan is almost expressionless all the time. It's that
1: serene look just all the time. The, like, slight smile, soft face.
0: Very slight smile. Even when he was crying, his face didn't change very much. He was just... He just had tears coming down. And... And that... I think that's evidence in the one personality bank to me.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Like, I think... At the very least, it's like this guy is... He's emotionless, which is one of the few things we have known for sure it's a about Gohan. It's a concrete fact is that even in his most violent murders he shows no emotion. Um and I think it says something that he also shows no emotion in his everyday in his everyday life to people.
1: Uh, yeah, but, I buy that.
0: yeah, but that's just what we have that's just what we have right now. Um man.
1: I had a note I had a note that I think it's interesting that twice now this has happened twice Schuwald feels guilt about people pretending to be the people that he actually should feel guilty about right with Margot Langer and then with this kid who's oh. killed himself who was pretending to be his son
0: That's true yeah both times he's like it doesn't matter that they weren't the real ones
1: Right and so like I don't know if that confirms what Margot langer said right like he only cares about money and like the act of absolving himself like he doesn't care about the people he's actually hurt or if it's in the opposite direction where like he just he really actually does care and he can't find the people that he needs to make right to
0: i think it's i think it's closer to that i would say it's just like like because it's not like you wouldn't be like oh my one fake my, my fake son died well good thing i have i have another fake son right here like he doesn't even know that carl's in the running Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, like, I can, I can understand just wanting to feel guilt to feel it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, closure yeah. is a huge thing, right? I mean, everyone yeah. always talks about, and that's what you said about Carl, right? Like, he's looking for his parents so he can feel his closure for his foster parents. And, like, that is the moral of, like, every single rom-com, right? Is people looking mm-hmm. for closure. It's it's an important thing right you know
0: yeah yeah uh there is a super important uh exchange here uh you know there are things in this life you can never take back
1: which we have said is murder right like that in the in the language of monster murder is one of those things right so like that i I, you saying that i felt the resonance when i when i read it through this time so it's
0: I didn't Another even, theme. I didn't remember that this line was here, as yeah. I've been saying it uh, all these episodes. So it was, I read this and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I really like, I really like Richard's response to that. You know, do, do you know that there are things in the life you can never take back? And Richard says, sure, I do. I know it well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And man. That's good. Oh, it's a really, it's a great translation.
1: We love an ex cop haunted by their past on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You might mm-hmm. not, I do. <laughs> no, I,
0: I'm in. I'm in for it. No, I, yeah. I like because it's also he's not just haunted by his past. He's in. He's in psychotherapy. He's in recovery.
1: Yeah, he's, he's he's working to get better because of it. Right.
0: Yeah, you know, and like, you know, like we've we've all we've all struggled with stuff, and so I really, there's tons of narratives. There's, there's absolutely, I mean, I can't even hold all of the pulp novels about ex-cops haunted by their past, but I bet I could count the number of those novels, including a therapist for the main character, you know, like how many of those motherfuckers had a therapist? This guy's got a therapist, and it, it feels a bit like, now that I say it out loud, it feels a bit like Urasawa consciously playing with the trope, and being like, get this man a therapist, um. <laughs> and uh i really i really like i really like seeing it um it is interesting it's... that i
1: think this story has been largely pro therapist um maybe, the, maybe this comes a little bit later but like this was a thing that came up when i was watching the sopranos um over the past couple of years and talking about it with people in the brain trust uh, join the brain trust uh, brain emoji handshake emoji um yeah. but one of the things that came up was i think the the view of therapy that that show ends up having at the end is pretty negative, even though that's really? like one of Yeah. The the way and it's it is in some ways kind of a quick turnaround. Um but something that our friend Will Yopes brought up was it's just very reflective of I think the the general kind of opinion of therapy at the time, right? Like that it was this novelty, right? That it was, you know, just almost kind of like I hesitate to say the word masturbatory, but like, you know, you're
0: Or it's a luxury, it's something that you don't really need.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: And like and the even more striking is not just the time, but also the source. You I mean, if you think that our attitudes on therapy are are like uh like kind of negative, the East is like like Japan is not very hot on therapy. Um like or or even like discussing mental health. I mean, that's something that uh, has been like a, a big problem um for them for them recently, and I'm sure it was just as much the case in the '90s. So it's it's wild that Urasawa's was out here in '95. Yeah. going therapy's the good shit. we had so many therapist the shows so be. far. Yeah. so many therapists, and all of them are good. All of them care so much. Um, if for their patience at least, or for their, for their work. Like you could argue that, um, uh, fuck, what was his name? Rudy. G? Rudy. Yeah. You could, you could argue that, that Rudy.
1: Was Rudy kind had some of issues, like, but he's solved He them. had some
0: issues. Yeah. You know, um, and, and Reichwein, I mean, I'll just tell you Reichwein, uh, I remember Reichwein sticking around and he's, he's great. So it's just, it's really super cool. cool. I love it. I yeah. appreciate it.
1: Um, um, I really like the shot of them walking up to the crater It did it like it made my stomach drop I was like oh man
0: It fucking hurts Oh it's really hard It's really it's hard rough. to see Yeah uh, And we also see The power that Johan has Mm-hmm. We see what he's like Capable, capable of doing with With words alone
1: yeah, um, he is so convincing that, you know, everyone can see, and or at least Carl, you know, can imagine this forest that Johan is describing. Hans, not Carl. Um, and and, and uh, Hans, Hans as well. But I think Carl can see it too, because he makes a face like, oh my word.
0: No, I, I think, no, because he, I think that's him looking at Johan, like, what the fuck did you just do?
1: I read it as, oh my gosh, this dude is. I, right. hang on, let me let me look at those panels. Yeah, I mean, because he's looking at him, shocked. Yeah, okay, I think yeah, because he, it's it's the old man can see it, and then Carl's just kind of looking back and forth nervously. Um. Okay. Still, yeah, we, we see Johann's whole deal.
0: Yeah, away yeah. with words, yeah. away with words, um, yeah, and then it finishes up with with Richard finding out that there was a fourth boy, and going, well, who the fuck is that? Uh, mm-hmm. and then and then this and that's that's the stinger that's the stinger for this reading, um. Ah, you know, the first time I I read this reading, I was like, I was feeling really weird about it. But especially after you know, I, I read it again to take notes, and then talking about it this time, it's definitely not the best by a long shot. But I, I don't hate it either. I no, think it's, it's good. It's fine. It's good. It's there's just less that happens. This this has the least number of of things happening of any of the readings so far, I would say.
1: Yeah, I don't think there was as much like stuff for us to dig into was the other thing. Like, no, you know
0: I I, I like the conversations we, that we did have. Like yeah we, there's some it's still like the themes and everything are still being developed, but in terms of like, oh here's some here's some fun action. Oh, here's something that really moves the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Um that momentum feels like it's totally
1: It really has slowed hold. down yeah. like
0: yeah it kind of feels like you know we've been uh like we just finished a a fucking ski hill or or like a roller coaster and now like we're i don't even think it's a roller coaster it just feels like urosawa is like paddling us out into the middle of a lake on a rowboat and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh well i guess Mm -hmm. this lake is kind of nice um you know but but also time's
1: a wasting yeah no that i think that's a good read so okay do we want to do segments because you already yes. said that the people who would be rocking this week are who who was it? Who was rocking?
0: Uh, underground bankers.
1: Underground bankers are rocking this week. Thank you for checking in rocking. for which dudes rock this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, those those underground bankers, they're laundering the money and their wives are dying. So <laughs> you
1: know Tenma moment.
0: Tenma ten, <laughs> Tenma moment. Um Oh, sorry. I was sorry. I'm internet poisoned.
1: No, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll keep it. The in the, t- I just had to keep it moving because it's eleven thirty, <laughs> and I have to be up early tomorrow to go look oh, at these God. dogs.
0: Yeah, let's get, this, <laughs> let's get this. Let's get this. Let's get this done. Chop, chop. Uh, tenma moment is to look at these dogs. Whatever. Um. Yeah, ten, I'll, I'll send pics of the dogs. Great, beautiful. Um. Uh, if you're subscribed to us on Patreon, you'll get pics of. The, no, you won't. Um.
1: If they were my dogs, I would post pictures. They're my friend's dogs. I'm taking care of my friend's dogs while they're out of town. There
0: you go. Got to, you know, propriety. Dog privacy. Um, yeah. Tenma moment is that moment when he says, how could I possibly be calm? And and starts walking toward Lunga, even with the gun pointed at him.
1: Mm, that's good.
0: It's my Tenma moment. Because it's, it's Tenma making a choice.
1: Yeah. Um, this is kind of like a hybrid Tenma-Lunga moment. But uh, when Lunga slaps up against the car... Right? Tenma's like, oh my god. And then Lunga it's a funny shot, we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> Lunga has passed out and is like sliding down the window <laughs> of the car slowly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you can almost hear the, the 90s comedy. Uh it's it's great. Um that is fun. Okay. Named character moment. There's Yeah. Do you know that there are things in this life that you can never take back?
1: Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. I like. I think I like um, Carl looking at all the blonde dudes walking by on campus, wondering, "Is it him? Is it him?" Because that's not really like even a line. I I I like that an opening to the chapter a lot. That's
0: a really cool pick. It's very, it it is very thriller and Mm -hmm. very, yeah. Mm, I like that. I like that. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that back up. Yeah. Um, and then side character, unnamed character moments. Not a lot of those, uh, this, this reading, I actually have to say. Um, okay. Actually, no, I do know what it is. There's a point where there's a couple of, you know, like college students or whatever, and one of them is like, "Did you seriously? Did you seriously buy that stupid Paranormal Society paper?" And he's like, "Yeah, I can't believe I did. It's a bunch of baloney." The Thursday boy, and then he throws it. He throws it on the ground.
1: I like that. I thought, That's fun. Yeah,
0: I thought that was funny.
1: Um, for me, it was the two detectives who work with Lunga who they the, the look that they give each other when the nurse says that he's been perfectly pleasant. Um, <laughs> That made me laugh. I like that. Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. So (sighs) next time we will be reading um, the beginning of Volume 4.
0: Yeah, 51 through 59, I believe it is. Perfect.
1: Okay, Um, that is Takabon 7?
0: Yeah. Uh... Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz this was Yeah, six, yeah, so it's, it's it's Tanka
0: It's Tankabons 7. If for some fucking reason you've got the Tonkabons. Um uh Matt, who are you?
1: Hey, and um, how
0: did you get in my house? <laughs>
1: um you let me in through the internet. Uh I am I am <laughs> no, <Matt> no. <laughs> Um you can find me at blarpole.net. Um, I think I'm going to post a... You should have just stopped the
0: sentence right there. I think (laughs) I'm going to post.
1: I think I'm going to post a review of the Double Fine documentary on Psychonauts 2 that just came out a couple weeks ago. I will also... We will read excerpts of that review in the next episode of uh, Maintaining Balance that we record. Um, but Blarble.net is my blog. That's where I write things. Um on Twitter I run the Urasawa Boys Twitter at Urasawa boys um and I'm on Discord if we hang out there. Quinn, where can people find you?
0: Um you can find me on Twitter at 200 proof games that's 200 zero zero proof games. You can find me on TikTok at authenticity.trip I believe probably would be good if I could really for sure remember but I'm pretty I'm pretty confident.
1: I think that's it.
0: I think that's it. Uh I have a Substack that I haven't posted anything on. Maybe I'll start posting Ooh. something on it. Um but I can't remember what that is either. So we'll just save that for, for next time. Yeah. Save uh, it for next time. Other than that, um you know, find uh find me on Discord or or something. Shoot me some DMs. Uh subscribe to our Patreon. We've yeah, got a Patreon, we've got a Patreon. And and by God, we will have bonus content available. Yeah, stuff's gonna go up on there eventually. Soon. Very soon, um, I have already begun taking notes on the anime. So for all of you who are like, dang, I really wish that they were talking about the anime. We're gonna, but only on the Patreon. So, you know, if if you're a big anime fan and you wanna hear any anime specific thoughts we have about about this patreon's where you're gonna get him
1: yeah um i i I think that's it do you want to take us out
0: yeah um listen everybody uh i just want to say thanks for listening and um thanks for being a friend
1: thanks for being a friend